Hello. Now, this episode is about designing for a wide block, whether you're choosing a home off the plan, you're building a custom designed home, or you're renovating and extending your existing one. There are certain things to know so that you can make the most of your wide block. So let's dive in. Welcome to Get It Right with the Undercover Architect. This is the podcast all about designing, building or renovating your home. I'm your host, Amelia Lee. Think of me as your secret ally. I am on a mission to help you create a home that makes your life better, whoever you're working with and whatever your dreams, your location or your budget. Together, we'll uncover the nitty gritty of how to get it right and how to create a home that works, feels great and that you feel great in. So join me now. Now, before I forget, because I keep forgetting to mention it right up the front, uh, make sure that you head to the show notes. You can grab a link that will mean that you can get emailed a free guide to go with this podcast episode. It includes a transcript of the episode, plus an interactive worksheet to take you through the questions that you need to ask, either with yourself or your designer or your builder to get it right for your wide block design. And there's one of these for each of these episodes in this season, and they're always kind of named the same. So this one is www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash wide block. Okay, but head to the show notes and that link will be there. Now, when it comes to wide blocks, they can occur in different configurations. There's, of course, the more generous blocks. So the ones that have nice wide frontages, you know, so they're, I'm thinking generally 15 metres plus, uh, and they're overall quite large in area. And, you know, they can present challenges in how you arrange the home on the block so that it doesn't feel that it's dwarfed by the overall block itself. And so it doesn't, doesn't basically look like a dot on that great big horizon. At the other extreme, though, and this is more what I'm focusing on, there's the configurations where the block is actually wide and shallow. And there's a lot of areas where subdivisions created blocks with a wide frontage, but their overall dimension in terms of how shallow they are means that the home will be strung out along that width with most of it exposed to the street. And so I'm going to focus mainly on blocks that are shallow and wide. So they're almost the opposite of what we discussed in the last episode with the narrow blocks. Okay. These strategies though, they'll apply whether your block is shallow or not. Uh, But I'm going to be specifically talking about blocks that are wider than they are deep. Now there are specific things to consider when it comes to wide blocks and how you design uh, a new home or a renovation for them. So first let's actually have a look at the main challenges for a wide block. Now one of the challenges for wide blocks is of course their exposure to their street frontage. You know generally we're trying to seek uh, privatization of our homes from the street. There's a balance between ensuring that we have eyes on the street as I've been talking about in other episodes you know but we still want to make sure that the interior of the home feels shielded from that public domain and from views in. And so when your street frontage is wide, you know, your home can feel exposed to the public domain because everything can feel like it's on display as the home is strung out along that street frontage. You know, and especially if you're trying to grab views and light from outside, then that can be, you know, I mean, it can mean a lot of glass (laughs) that allows views in as much as it allows the views out. And so, the home will have to deal with how it maintains privacy from the street. And acoustic privacy may also be a concern if the street has a certain amount of traffic uh, in it and you're wanting to protect your home from that. 
Now, dealing with the privatisation of outdoor areas can also be tricky. So not just the interior areas, but also the outdoor areas of your home. You know, you might also find that you've got headlights in the street that come in at night time, that they're shining into the front of your home as well. Now, the challenge can increase with your specific orientation. So ideally, you want the long side of your home facing north or south if you're in the northern hemisphere and so that you've got an opportunity to grab as much natural light as you can. However, if your main frontage, you know, that wide part of your home, if that faces west, then there's obviously going to be significant work required to help the home manage the harshness of that orientation and for it to not get super hot in summer in the afternoon and you know going sort of moving into the evening and you know if your wide frontage block is west to street and you're designing for the orientation then that will naturally lend itself to you putting your main living areas to the rear on the more eastern side of the home and all of your storage and services areas you'll want to be moving them to the west side of your home which is the street side. And so, you know, but it doesn't make a great street elevation to have all of your bathrooms and your storage and all of your garage areas all facing the front of the home and out to the street because that, of course, can be, you know, a difficult balance of how you present your home to the street, how you privatise those areas of your home and how you get that orientation design right. Now, another challenge is similar to a narrow home and it's actually that process of how people arrive at the home and then once they're at the home how they then move through it. Now the narrow home runs that risk of feeling like a long tunnel that feeds you from one end to the other whereas a wide frontaged home that can actually struggle with where you physically bring people into the house. You know you could bring them into the middle and then you run the risk of splitting your front outdoor areas and the usable space that you might have there and diminishing privacy across the front of the entire home. Uh, Or perhaps you can bring them in at one end, uh, but then that may require for you and others to have to walk the length of the home to get from where the entry is to the more public areas of the house. And that can mean that you compromise the privacy of the home as a result. You know, that layout of rooms and spaces running the width of your block, that can feel strung out and the circulation can feel a bit arduous if you don't get it right because when you're arriving face on to the length of a home, you know, it's not like a narrow home where, or most standard homes actually, where you sort of arrive at, you know, the entry and you're walking to the other end with the destination in mind and you're seeing the destination and light generally and outdoor spaces and things like that that you're walking towards and it's drawing you through into the home that way. What you're really doing in a wide frontage home is you're generally walking with rooms on either side of the space uh, or perhaps a hallway is along the side of a series of rooms and so the destination is actually sideways it's not at the end and it may sound a little strange when I describe it but it's a very different feeling if you can try and picture it and one of the worst things that you can do in a house one you know one thing that actually really creates a feeling of chaos and, uh, and it limits that feeling of calm and spaciousness in a home is to make the movement through it confusing you know, and wide frontage homes, they can really fall prey to this if they're not designed well with this in mind. These clear lines of sight that you provide uh, for circulation through the home, they become important in providing direction as to how you move through the home and how spaces are arranged. And it can be difficult to achieve that clearly in a wide frontage home because often the end of that clear line of sight 
it might actually be a side boundary and somewhere that you don't want people to look because it's a fence or it's not particularly attractive or it's a neighbor's house. And so there's, there has to be a different strategy in how you create circulation pathways through a wide frontage home and how you orient people in a wide frontage home and orient yourself uh, so that you're still establishing clear lines of sight and clear movement paths so that the home feels ordered and calm and spacious as a result. Now, let's have a look at what wide blocks have got going for them, okay? Because there are some fantastic opportunities for wide blocks when you know how to approach them and what to focus on. So wide blocks, they present a fantastic opportunity to design your home to maximize natural light and breezes. If you've ever had a look uh, closely at floor plans designed for passively, for passive basically passively designed homes or, you know, what's known as passive houses, that cross ventilation and that light penetration, uh, that natural light penetration, it's really key to helping a home stay comfortable with no extra costs in artificial heating and cooling. But for natural light penetration and for cross ventilation to work well, you know, these things don't have to only be able to enter the home. They actually need to come deep into the floor plan and breezes need to be able to be drawn through the floor plan as well. And that relies, for that to successfully work, that relies on the overall home uh, not being too deep in its floor plan. And so this is where a wide frontage home can really come into its own in helping you get passive design working really well. You know, the beauty of a wide frontage home is that there's an opportunity to have exposure to light and breezes and views along both the front and rear of the home along those long sides. And if privacy can be managed and you can have a great orientation to work with, you can actually find that your wide frontage home can feel beautiful and spacious and light filled and comfortable and naturally ventilated because that shallow configuration of the floor plan actually provides really well for the penetration of natural light and for drawing natural breezes right through the home. So as an aside, if you do have a wide block that is deep, you know, be careful not to stack your floor plan too deep with rooms because otherwise you won't get that benefit of natural light and breezes coming through the home in the same way. You'll have these fantastically exposed edges of your home along the front and the rear, but you'll have a really dark core that is preventing light and breezes from getting the whole way through your floor plan. Now, a wide block also presents some great opportunities for how you lay out the floor plan to zone the home overall and to make the most of the orientation and to get circulation to it and through it working really well. So even with a shallow floor plan on a wide block, you can make some really powerful choices about how you'll arrange the home to make the most of its wide frontage. You can maximize the exposure to light and to views at the front and at the rear uh, or one or the other. You can do both or you can choose one and you can arrange the home as a series of rooms either side of a central corridor that runs widthways across the block um, so that you can enter at one end of it and you know basically then travel along the spine or uh, and move from one end of the home to the other or you can enter in the middle and then travel from one end to the other of the home in either direction or you can add you can arrange the room so that they are along one side of a hallway and you can use that hallway as a spine along the edge of the home to arrange and order those spaces now in any design how you you know you can use how you move through it 
to zone it into sleeping versus living spaces or private versus more public and shared areas of a home. But the benefit of wide frontage blocks is that the rooms can be more exposed to light and to the outside along edges where they're not hemmed in by side boundaries. And so, you know, you can have that view into your front or your rear garden. So even on quite small land area, you can have a lot of edge to your home to create a beautiful indoor-outdoor connection and really open the home up overall. Now, wide frontage homes and wide frontage blocks, they can actually enable the home to what's known as mass up to the street. You know, you can have quite a small block in area, but because of the wide frontage, the home can actually appear quite large and have a lot of street presence. You know, even a single-storey home can have can create quite a strong form in using roof heights and arrangement of rooms and spaces to really belie or hide how compact its floor plan might be. You know, when you get the layout working and you manage your privacy, the form of your home will sit widthways on the block and so it'll be able to present as one strong form to the street and you can play with the roof heights and the scales of spaces to really give it strength and presence in the street. I actually have a project that I did for a client who had a wide frontage and shallow block. So I'll pop a link to that in the show notes because you can see the drawings there and see how the elevations were worked up so that we could make a compact home that had a lot of street presence to it. And that home was actually north to street. So it was needing to expose itself to the street. Uh, But we wanted to be able to be clear in showing where entry to the home was so there was no confusion And we didn't want visitors wandering places where they're not supposed to have access to or looking into more private parts of the home. We also wanted to show where the living areas were compared to the more private and sleeping zones of the home. Again, to indicate where people gather in the home versus where access is more privileged and intimate and private. And so the home's form can tell these stories. The home's form can actually give all these types of signals in how it's designed. So head to the show notes because you'll see how the elevation was designed to show this and how we arranged the floor plan overall so that we could privatise the front garden, make the most of that northerly aspect to the street and really get the home working really well for its wide block. I've alluded to this before, but in discussing the benefits of having, you know, those two long exposed edges to the home in a wide frontage block is that another opportunity of course is that the home can have a great outlook and indoor outdoor connection from a significant portion of the home you know for a more regular configuration on a suburban block you know it's deeper than it is wide and so the most narrow parts of the home will be its front and its rear elevations the street and those rear elevations and then the side walls will be the long part of the home and they're looking into the neighbor's block generally So this, of course, doesn't occur on a wide frontage block. You can create a floor plan where lots of rooms in it get a great indoor-outdoor connection. They can look into a front garden or a rear garden, and they can not necessarily be hemmed in by adjacent neighbours and their buildings and their fences. So the key to making this work well is to design the outlook in a way that maintains privacy to the interior. And so there's a few ways that you can create privacy from views looking into a home, be it from the street looking into the front of the home or perhaps from a neighbour behind that has its living areas to the rear of its home. And so its outlook is going to be oriented to its rear garden and potentially over its fence and then smack bang into the rear of your wide frontaged home and into your back garden. So one of the key ways that you can create privacy is to use levels and levels are great because they actually create a feeling of hierarchy and separation as well. So what do I mean by this? Well, think about, you know, most significant 
buildings in the public domain, the art galleries, the public libraries, you know, the, the opera house in Sydney, if you live there or if you visited, what do they all have in common? Well, it, the buildings are generally, these big grand public buildings, they're generally sitting on a platform or a pedestal that is elevated from the public space around them. You actually climb stairs to reach them. It may be only a few stairs or it may be in the case of the opera house, quite a significant number of stairs. But in doing so, in climbing those stairs to arrive at those buildings, there's a, there's a feeling of leaving the more public area behind you and arriving at something far more special and more separate. There's a sense of threshold as you climb those stairs, of procession and of arrival. You know, so start paying attention as you move around public spaces. You know, when you ascend, when you climb a set of stairs or or a slope or up into a place, you know, do you actually feel like you're arriving in a way that's more significant than if you just actually sort of stumbled and walked into the door? at the same level as the public domain. You know, privacy can be created this way because you're indicating to people that they can't just blindly walk into that space without intention. You don't accidentally walk in the front door of an art gallery when you need to climb some stairs to get there. It provides privacy through threshold and through separation and a statement of, you know, this space is different to the public space around it. So you really need to think about whether you want to come here. The other way that you can create privacy with levels is in how the sight lines are impacted. So what I mean by this is, is the visual line between the eyes of two people, their sight lines. So say one standing, one person standing in the street and one standing in the home. So if you're at eye level looking from inside to outside, that feeling of privateness and or privacy and separateness can be hard to maintain if you're on the same level as a person in the street. But if you're elevated and you're looking down into the street, that can really delineate the public and the private zones. And you can also cut the sight line in that way. So if you actually imagine a visual diagonal line drawn between two people, say somebody in a car in the street, somebody walking their dog on the footpath, and you in your home, either inside or standing out the front, then you can look at what it takes to cut that diagonal line between the two of you. And, you know, when somebody's lower and looking up, it doesn't actually take a lot to block or change what they can see. So pay attention to this, you know, if you're walking down the street and you're looking up into a home, you might find that because of the height of the windows on the facade, your only view is going to be looking up into a home ceiling uh, and not into its interior. Or perhaps if it's got a balustrade on its front veranda, the balustrade cuts your sight line looking into the space so you can't actually see anything, but they can see out. Other ways that you can create privacy are through landscaping, through using screens, through using fences and balustrades. So interior choices, of course, such as curtains and blinds, as well as obscuring the glass can, um, can help. And it's important that you balance your view, your desire for a view out with your need uh, for privacy when someone's looking in. You know, sometimes putting a tint on your glass uh, in your windows uh, can be sufficient to limit how much someone can actually see into a home during the day. And I'm talking about a tint that goes into the glass at point of manufacture. Most of the glazing glass companies will have a different range of tints that they put into their glass when they manufacture them, um, not the tints that get applied to the outside. So, but when you then have a think about nighttime, that will require some different consideration because lighting, when you light a space up inside, it of course makes glazing more transparent from views to outside and views into the home can be more obvious. 
Now, if your home does need to arrange its main living areas to the street side of the home in order to maximise and make the most of its orientation, then you may find that your front garden needs to be privatised from the street so that you've got a usable outdoor area for your home and some buffer between you and the street to create that privacy. So in that case, you'll be thinking about how you can create privacy at the front boundary, be it through a front fence or another feature that can cut those sight lines and limit the views in. Now, wide frontage blocks, they can have a big benefit in construction access as well. And this can really improve the speed and the ease with which your project occurs, uh, which can then, of course, improve the time and the money it takes as well. So the main thing will be determining the order of construction. And if you're planning on building full width on your block, then perhaps you need to think about putting a, you know, if you want to do a pool, that might need to go in first, um, just so that you can have the access that you need. So thinking about how that will roll out is important before you renovate or build. Now, let me take you through the key questions to ask about your wide frontage block and the home you're designing uh, for it or renovating on it, okay? And remember, you can grab a download transcript of this podcast episode that will include these questions and some space that you can fill out your own answers at www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash wide block. Now, answering these questions and talking through these ideas with your designer or your builder or even just your partner as you're starting to think about your home, they'll really help you tailor a solution to suit you, your budget, your block and your needs and to make the most of the opportunities available to you. Question number one, where will you bring visitors into the home? How will you position your front door so that it doesn't diminish your privacy or split your usable outdoor space on the front of your house? Question number two, What is the orientation of your block? Where is the sun moving? And how will you maximise this for your home, given that you have more exposure to work with? Question number three is, if your desired orientation is to the rear of your home, how will you arrange your floor plan so that you're not putting all of your service areas on the street side of the home uh, and you can still put eyes on the street but not turn your back on it? Question number four is how will you arrange circulation through the home so that the zoning of spaces works well and that those sight lines work to create spaciousness in the home rather than you feeling like you're weaving through spaces as you move across the width of the block from front to back. Question number five is how will you landscape and fence the front garden to help people be clear about how they arrive and they walk into the home so that it doesn't compromise the privacy of the home or any of your usable outdoor spaces? Question number six is how will you maximise cross-ventilation in your home, given the opportunities a wide frontage block provides for this? Question number seven is how will you privatise your outdoor areas at the front and the rear of your home and the views into your garden and your living areas from the street or from the neighbour behind? Question number seven is how uh, can you use, sorry, question number eight, we're on to eight, aren't we? Uh, Question number eight is can you use levels to create privacy to your home's frontage and to create a greater sense of separation and threshold from the public zone of the street as people move into your home? Question number nine is what will you do with your fencing and your landscaping on your exposed wide street frontage to provide privacy and shade for your exposed frontage and will you need to allow more budget to accommodate that? And question number 10, lastly, what will you do and what will you need to do to all of your indoor-outdoor connections on both of your frontages so that you can privatise them at night time as well as during the daytime? So think about whether your budget's going to need extra money in it for window furnishings or for external screens. 
Now, finally, I'll take you through our three scenarios for building on wide blocks, whether you're choosing an off-the-plan home, you're building a custom-designed home, or you're doing a reno and an extension. So first, choosing an off-the-plan home to build new on a wide block. It can actually be difficult to find a home to suit a wide and shallow block. Often what I see homeowners do is that they choose a plan that would ordinarily be positioned one way and then they turn it 90 degrees to how they need it and they'll change the entry and where the garage door enters and then it doesn't work very well because it generally feeds people into the home in the wrong place. So have a look for home designs that are simple pavilions with rooms sitting either side of a central hallway that can work well and with a clear entry point that doesn't compromise the privacy of the home. And you may find that the form of the home as well needs to be quite clean and uncluttered. Often the entry can sit between the garage and the rest of your home's layout to help the home separate itself from where cars come in and you can then get your landscaping of your garden to work um, so that your front garden is separated from where cars park on the driveway and you don't have uh, people needing to cross the driveway um, to get in and out of that, you know, those garden areas. Now next, let's have a look at getting it right in a custom home design for a wide block. Now, as I said, having a custom home design, it's really your chance to tailor a solution to your wide block and its special qualities. So firstly, understand your orientation. Consider how you're going to position the rooms in your home to make the most of it and shield them from any exposure to harsh hot sun. If you're doing a double story, consider whether the home needs to be two story for its whole width, because you can actually, if you do this, you can end up building a bit of a wall to the street when you do a two story home that sits full width on its block, because there's just so much home. Okay. So how will you step the outside of the home? How will you create elements that privatize the intimate parts of the home or, you know, perhaps where make the front entry door really clear rather than it just simply being, you know, your entry being a door in a wall of house. And then consider also how your home and your landscaping will need to be staged so that you can provide the access that's required to both the front and the rear of the block if your home is spanning that full width and you don't have a lot of access either side of it. Now, thirdly, let's have a look at renovating or extending an existing home on a wide block. Now, I've always found that renovating and extending on a wider block, it can be a great opportunity to completely change the way the home looks and functions because it, it gives you a huge chance to really change that street elevation. Now, the main challenge will be if you live in an area that seeks to preserve and protect the street elevation um, because they might not give you the flexibility you need to to add onto the side of the home. So if you're adding on a building, say if you're adding home onto the side of it or you're adding a garage, you know, can sometimes be difficult to get approval for it because of the change that it will make to how the home looks in the street and how that works in the, for the character of the area. Now, for old Queenslanders and timber homes, you know, many renovations that I've done actually involved picking the house up and moving it sideways on the block to actually provide more space for an extension. When they first built these homes on their big blocks, they didn't really think a lot about the placement. They pretty much put the house in the middle. So you can actually look at whether you pick the house up and you move it to one side to get that extra space that you want to add the extension that you want to. So I'm going to pop some links in the show notes of um, projects that I've done this. So one was my own renovation that we did and then another was a recent client project. And for each of them, the existing 
existing home was raised, it was moved sideways on the block, uh, and it was also built in underneath. And then new building was added to the side, and it was connected in a way that didn't significantly disrupt the existing home's roof, uh, and it was more contemporary in its design. And so that made a big impact on how the home appeared to the street and the type of natural light and functionality that we could bring into the new extension and how we could get that working together. Okay, so that's it for wide blocks. So I hope you found this helpful. And even if you've been listening and you don't have a wide block, I hope that some of the ideas and the way that I talk through questions and concepts helped you with your future home. Now, remember, you can grab your free guide to go with this episode. It includes the transcript plus an interactive worksheet for you. And that can be found at www.undercoverarchitect.com forward slash wide block. Now, in the next episode, I'm going to be discussing sloping blocks and design approaches and ideas that you can you can use to make the most of your sloping block, whether it's a very steep sloping block or a more gentle one. There's some specific challenges to overcome and opportunities that you can capitalize on. So make sure you that you tune in for that and also head to the show notes. OK, I've got those links to projects there that I mentioned for you so that you can get some uh, ideas for your wide block and see some examples of projects that might inspire you. Now, before I go, I'd love to know, are you enjoying listening to the Get It Right podcast with Undercover Architect? If you are, can I please ask three favours of you? The first is, could you please subscribe to the show on your podcast listening tool of choice, be it iTunes or Android, so then you're the first to know when the latest episode is live. The second favour is please leave a review for the show on iTunes. Now, they don't make it easy. I'm full of gratitude and admiration for anyone who manages to navigate the technological hurdle of leaving a review on iTunes, but it does make a massive difference to helping people find the show and seeing if it suits them. So if you can leave a review, that would be absolutely awesome. And the third favour is please tell your friends, your relatives, your neighbours, your work colleagues, the postman, (laughs) anyone that's willing to listen to you that the Get It Right podcast exists. You know, so many of you have told me that you found this podcast because someone referred it to you and that's brilliant. Uh, The more people that have this knowledge about how to get it right when designing, building or renovating their homes, the more level the playing field is and the more clever and empowered homeowners we have demanding better from the design and building industry. And that's how we improve it overall. Thank you so much for spending this time with me and for tuning into the Get It Right podcast. This has been Amelia Lee from Undercover Architect. Think of me as your secret ally. Until next time. Bye.